Warning. The podcast that you are about to listen to may contain some subject matter that you find challenging or offensive. Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. How are you all doing today? I hope that you're doing good. Before I got into my podcast today, I wanted to talk to you about what they call like on YouTube and other social media platforms, like a call to action. Okay. Um, I never have asked anyone ever for any money. Like I don't have a Patreon page. I don't care about any of that stuff. Like I will never ask you for your money, but if you listen to my podcast, okay, and if you like it, can you do me a favor and tell me that you like it? I know that there are people that listen to this podcast all the time, and a few of them comment on every single episode, okay? And I appreciate that. But if you are listening, you know, this time, please do me a favor. Help me out tell me that you like it. I know there's a lot more people listening to this podcast than my numbers reflect. That's a fact. I mean, it's abundantly clear to me at this point that YouTube and even other social media platforms are not necessarily fair. I think everybody knows that by now. And um, maybe even if this is your first podcast, of mine that you're listening to and you do like it, like say so. That's all. Okay. Don't give me your money or anything like that. You don't even have to subscribe to my channel. Right. I don't think it's asking too much. Is it also on the same kind of front? I wanted to talk about these Wikipedia like labels that they're putting on the videos. Now, you know, the censorship thing, if there's like an issue you're discussing in your podcast or in your on your YouTube channel or on your video, whatever it is, um, about topics that are controversial, you know, Wikipedia will make sure that they stamp it with that, you know, definition of what you're talking about, like what they say the definition is, you know. And I don't know about you guys, but I think that is just the absolutely stupidest thing that anybody could do. You know, it's like putting a that PMRC warning on albums. Do you remember that back in the day when the PMRC was, you know, the Parental Music Resource Center or something? And they were, you know, uh, putting a warning label on record albums from rap groups or rock groups or heavy metal groups that, you know, they thought the lyrical content was, you know, inappropriate and you know, needed to be censored. Like the parents needed to be warned that this record they're buying for their kid has got these bad words on it or these bad themes or something like that or bad images even. Right. Um, it did the exact opposite of what the PMRC had anticipated it would do. You know, the idea was to kind of, uh, discourage parents from buying those records for their kids or from the kids buying the records for themselves, okay? But everybody knows now that in reality, 
it sold more records. Like people didn't want to not buy the record because there was a sticker on it. Usually it became something that <laughs> everybody would like look at and like either look right through it, you know, and buy the record anyway, or they would buy it because the sticker was on the record, you know? And I see this happening again on YouTube with their videos. You know, it's ridiculous. It's a form of like propaganda. I mean, it's actually what it is. It's propaganda. Like if someone wants to talk about the flat earth theory or something like that, just talk about an idea, just talk about it. You know, they'll stamp it with those warnings. Like here's the definition of what flat earth is. And to me, it's laughable. It's also like really stupid. Like, and what's even funnier about all this kind of stuff, okay, to me, is that I can talk about flat earth on my video, okay? And I am algorithmed so far out that I don't even get a warning label on my videos. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty funny. I don't quite know what to make of all that, you know, and I think different things about it from time to time, but I have to laugh anyway. So with like the pipe choir, the PC three, the music, that kind of stuff. And even my normal podcast, you know, I will, you know, put advertising on it. Okay. And I do make a little bit, I mean, really a little bit of money. From that not enough to even talk about really but with the mic tv thing in particular i recently got shut down with that you know the youtube changed the rules and i'm not allowed to even play the song and let the artist get paid for me playing their song in my mic tv thing or whatever um that really kind of chapped my ass to be honest with you it did you know, it doesn't make any sense. I'm advertising the music. I'm doing it for free. I'm not making any money off of it. I'm doing it strictly for entertainment purposes, yet I'm not allowed to anymore, okay? That kind of stuff bothers me. Um, so having explained that to you uh, in this podcast, you know, help me out. Okay, if you really care at all about me doing this podcast, then you got to like let me know. You got to let me know. And like I said, I'm not talking to the handful of people, you know who you are, that comment on everything I do. Like, I think that's fantastic. And I totally, totally appreciate it. And, you know, in some ways, I kind of rely on it a little bit. You know, to know that I'm not talking into like a vacuum, that just somebody there and they're listening and they respond to what I'm saying, you know, and I get it too. Like, you know, my episodes of this podcast are not always magnificent, you know, they're sometimes they're mundane or they don't make sense or they're weird or, you know, whatever. The list is long of adjectives that I could attach to the past, you know, 121 podcasts that I've made. 
but it's not always about whether, you know, something is really, really exciting or not. You know, it's just me talking. That's really all it is. If you are listening to this podcast and you do like it, then just let me know. Can you do that for me? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to get a sip of my coffee now because once again, I got a nice piping hot cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee and uh, I'm going to have a sip. So I suggest if you're listening, now's the time to grab your cup and maybe take a sip with me. Cheers. And uh, here I go. Wow, this coffee is so good today, too. Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, it's always good, but some days it's better than others, you know? Like, it's really, really good. Today is one of those days. Hang on. I'm going to take another sip. Okay. So, where was I? Oh, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more today about that idea I was talking about in the uh, thought experiment number six. Um, I was talking about, you know, mud flood and Antiquatech and all that stuff, you know. And um, I wanted to continue along that thought because um, I've come to some other conclusions about things. I'm not 100% sure if I'm correct, you know. Uh, disclaimer, you know. Um, it's just ideas and theories and things I think about that might be possible, okay? And, uh, you know, having this explanation, okay, of mud flood and Antiquatech and this forgotten history or this hidden history, possibly, that we all share, um, sometimes the lemons kind of line up, you know, like I'll make a connection. Like, I wonder if that has something to do with this way over here, you know? What do I mean by that? Well, I'll let you know. It's like for years and years and years, I've been hearing about Indian reservations in the American Southwest, you know? Um, we all know the stories, you know, the uh, subjugated people, you know, uh, forced to live on reservations. And, you know, they were really kind of forced off of their land and one might think like why is that such a big deal that they were forced off of their land and you know they were they were conquered you know that's what happens I've heard that before um, but but I think that the reason why that is particularly tragic and why the Native American Indian population in the United States is so controversial or, you know, what's happened to them is so controversial and kind of sad is because I believe it's possible, okay, it's possible that uh, the reason that the Native American Indians don't want to leave the land that they're on is because their ancestors are buried in that land. And we think, oh, like they dug some graves and they like, you know, that's where their ancestors were buried, okay? But I kind of get the idea or the impression just based on some of the evidence that I've seen that 
that cataclysm I was talking about that happened in our history, you know, you could look at a, a map of the globe, you know, the, the, the world, whether it's flat or round, I don't know. But if you look at like the American Northwest, Southwest, and then I think in Russia, you know, the Eastern part of Russia, Southeastern part of Russia, um, you can see the, that the land in those two areas is so different from everywhere else on the planet, like something happened there. And maybe that something that happened was a cataclysm. And maybe that cataclysm killed a lot of the ancestors of these Native American people. Like, that's why they want to stay there. They'll live on a mountain or they'll live near a mesa and it'll be a, a sacred space and they'll have ceremonies there. Okay? And it's not because a couple of their great-grandfathers are buried there. It's because thousands and thousands of people may have died in that spot and their bodies are still buried there, you know, all these years later from this gigantic cataclysm that happened, you know, that may sound a little out there to you. And, you know, maybe I'm way off. I don't know. How do I know? I'm not an archeologist. Um, I'm not native American Indian. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I get the impression, especially after watching this episode on YouTube of, uh, that guy, Peter Santanello, you know, he's, uh, this guy who travels around the world, really around America now, like lately. And he'll, uh, go into like a random, like culture somewhere in the United States and, you know, a small pocket of people in one small area. And he'll, he'll walk around with them and he'll talk to them about where they live, how they live. You know, it's like, um, the future. If you ask me, it's like the future of, you know, news reporting. Like this guy is on the cutting edge of that front. Just like Joe Rogan is on the cutting edge of podcasting. This Peter Centinello guy is really way ahead of the curve when you watch some of his productions. So they're fantastic. And, you know, he talks specifically, okay, he talks in some of his episodes to these Native American people that live on the land. They still live there. They have legends and myths about the area where they're at. And they'll say things like the aliens came down or they'll say, uh, you know, there's a supernatural force that's here or there's an energy here on this mountaintop and we'll come here and we'll, we'll be here when we have our ceremonies you know, to honor our ancestors or whatever it is they're doing. And it's like, we think to ourselves like, oh, wow, they're really superstitious people, you know? And, oh, isn't that interesting that they think their ancestors are still here, you know? But my contention is, at least at this point right now, is that they're not telling you a story. They're not telling you a myth. They're telling you what happened. They are actually telling you that there was a cataclysm and they were wiped out. And the people that remained were the people that survived and there weren't many and they would live 
on this, you know, mountain that used to be a dwelling, like a castle, a place where people lived. And it got annihilated by some kind of something, right? And the survivors and the, the people that made it through that cataclysm, that small little pocket of people that were left alive, stayed on the land. They stayed near that mountain that their ancestors died in. And their ancestors' bodies are still there. And why do I think that? I'll tell you. I just saw this thing about the Grand Canyon, okay? And when you look at the Grand Canyon through the lens of like modern science and like what we've been taught, we're told that what happened with the Grand Canyon was like wind and erosion and water from like an ice age or something, okay? And at face value, you know, that's what we're told. That's what we believe in. Okay, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know. I know what people tell me, okay? And that's when you look at it through that lens, okay? But if you look at the Grand Canyon, something like the Grand Canyon, but in particular the Grand Canyon, through the lens of maybe, okay, maybe, there was a huge cataclysm that happened. This place got zatzed by something. You know, just absolutely fried by something. And when you look at the Grand Canyon through that lens and that some of this stuff got cooked out, some of this rock, literally rocks and bricks and things like that were melted from this event. Okay, when you look at it through that lens, you can see it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's one of those things. I am sorry. I just, I do not believe, I do not believe anymore that the Grand Canyon was made with wind and erosion and ice from an ice age that melted and it, oh, look at those rock formations. And the, you know, you can see how the water was flowing. It's like, no, I don't think you see how water was flowing. I think you're seeing how melted rock was flowing. That's what we're looking at. You can literally see the strata, you know, the layers of, you know, building a, a constructed building that was melted and cooked out. That's what it looks like to me and to a lot of other people now. It's fascinating. And, you know, what's even crazier about that idea, okay, is, you know, there are reports. I don't know how valid they are. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I don't know. But there are reports that they're finding inside the Grand Canyon, like some of these caves that just, you know, miraculously lead into these tunnels and these chambers. And what? I thought it was just a mountain. You know, what happened? There's like tunnels throughout the entire Grand Canyon. And, you know, some of them are filled with Egyptian relics. Like Egypt was there. Think about that. Egypt was in America, in the Americas, like pharaohs and, you know, whatever, this culture that lived here. And you don't ever hear anything about it, really. You know, it's kind of swept under the rug or not talked about, or it's like a theory or a myth, or it's not true. That's what we're told. But what a strange story to just make up, right? 
that they found a, you know, a tunnel that led to a chamber in the Grand Canyon. And there's a bunch of Egyptian mummies in there. You know, this actually happened. Reportingly, that's what happened. Can you believe it? And doesn't that make sense? You know, you have these people, the Native American people, and they have a culture and it's rich and it's beautiful. And uh, they did things a certain way. And we we're kind of given this idea about this culture of people, um, not just one nation of Native American Indians, but all of them, that they were somehow like these primitive people, you know, and they had like sticks and they would tie sticks together and they would live in like a teepee. And that's what they did, you know, but what if, what if there's a deeper history there and their ancestors weren't living in teepees, their ancestors were building these massive structures, highly sophisticated, you know, along the lines of like, you know, the pyramids at Giza and that kind of stuff right here in the United States. Okay. Now you don't have to take my word for it. You can look this stuff up and you'll find some stuff if you can still find it. Cause you know, they're burying that stuff. Now they are washing the internet of information about stuff like that. So you may not be able to find it anymore, but I would imagine that if I'm able to find it, then you could too. And that just because uh, something is on the internet doesn't mean it's true. So I know that. Okay. I know that, but I'm not so much convinced by like only what I'm being shown. I'm being convinced about what I remember and what I was told and what I was taught and what did I see? And like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something to this. You know, look at those rock formations in the Grand Canyon. Look at them. Now you can look at them. Like I said, you can look at them through the lens of like the science book that you had in high school and what they told you it was and what scientists will insist that it is right now. And they'll say this is from wind and erosion. That's it. Okay. Nothing else is possible. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's this alternate idea, you know, maybe, um, there were structures there that would blow your mind, you know, that were along the lines of something like Notre Dame Cathedral, you know, massive structures though, beautiful. And these people were probably much more advanced or could have been much more advanced than we're led to believe. I think it's possible. Certainly fun to think about, you know, that idea. Hang on, I'm gonna get some coffee, hang on. I get to talking and, oh, you know, your mouth dries out. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to get another sip. Okay, so I was talking about, you know, this idea of alternate history, you know, and maybe this conclusion that I'm coming to about the Native American tribes that live in the American Northwest and the American Southwest, you know, out that way. You know, maybe they're there because their ancestors used to run that place. I mean, it was like it is not uh, you know, a primitive culture we're talking about. We're talking about a civilization that was wiped out. That's what I'm kind of starting to think has happened. And, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm wrong and it doesn't matter if I'm right. It doesn't matter what I think. 
It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't. It's just an idea. It's just me expressing a thought. And you may be like, you're crazy. You're full of shit. There's nothing to that. That's that's the wrong story. This is what happened. Just like the history books said. Okay, maybe I'll concede to that. I can do that because that's what I was taught. And that's what I was brought up with, you know, but I've lived enough life to know at this point that things are not always what they seem. Okay. And just because you're being taught something as fact doesn't mean that it's a fact, especially when it comes to the history of the world. Okay. Uh, we are at the mercy of what scholars, you know, and people that study it, but what are they studying and what books are they studying from and how accurate is the information they're studying from? You know, I don't know. And I'm certainly not here to like, you know, cancel their careers, you know, cause they're wrong. I don't know. But to me at this point in my life, it seems a lot more probable to me that when we look at something like the Grand Canyon or the Devil's Tower, you know, they say it was like a tree trunk. I mean, that's what the Indian people say. That's a tree trunk. It's not a mountain. It's a tree trunk. It's been cut off. And they claim the trees were really big. And we go, oh, that's a fairy tale. That didn't really happen. That's a myth. Well, I don't know. Look at it. You know, you tell me, doesn't that make sense? Like, what if that's a petrified tree stump, like a massive, massive tree from a long time ago? Maybe, maybe there's a reason why these people will not leave that area and it's sacred space and it's fenced off and, you know, it's private. You can't get there. You can't walk there because it belongs to them and their ancestors are buried there, you know? Um, actually, for some reason, it always kind of reminded me of the story of Moses. You know, Moses was um, chosen by God to lead the Jewish people and uh, he died. You know, he died before he got to the promised land, right? You probably know the story. And what a lot of people don't realize is that according to the story in the Bible and the story of Moses, okay, his body was buried somewhere where it would never be found by anybody. Okay. And an angel, St. Michael, the archangel, according to the story, is the angel that took the body of Moses and he hid it buried it in a place that nobody would ever find it. Okay. Now it's kind of weird, but later on in the Bible, okay, this is just a, a connection I made. Okay. At some point in the Bible, I forget where it was, but somebody is walking through the desert. Okay. They're walking through an area. There's nobody around. Okay. In the middle of nowhere. Okay. And as this person is walking, they're confronted by an angel and the angel tells them to step back because they are about to walk on a sacred grave, like a sacred space where somebody is buried. They don't say it's Moses. Okay. But it's in the Bible. I mean, it's there that this angel was telling them, get out of here. You know, you're not allowed to walk here. And if you do walk here, you're not going to survive. 
You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna erase you. Get out of here, right? So I always kind of wondered, was that Moses? Did somebody actually stumble across the spot where Moses was buried? I don't know. It's like weird and you probably don't care, but some of you might, and some of you might remember what I'm talking about. And I think it's kind of interesting. I think it's along the same lines as this idea with the Native American Indians in America, that maybe, you know, those mountains that they live on or they live near, and, you know, we're, we are not allowed to go there. Like normal, you know, Caucasian white people can't just wander onto the reservation and walk up to their sacred spaces. They'll, they'll make sure you don't get there. Okay. They guard those places. And I just wonder if underneath the ground, you know, if you were to do like a, a, a underground radar to see what's down there, we may be stunned at what we see in the American North and Southwest. Like we might be freaked out by what they found, you know, and we may uh, never be allowed to know what they find, you know, like uh, that idea that there were Egyptian mummies found in the Grand Canyon. People are like, oh, that's not true. And it's so easy to disprove it. You just, you know, if it was real, why wasn't it world news or, you know, whatever? Well, you know, you can do your own, you know, deducing on that front, right? I mean, you can think about it and like, I don't know, what would it mean to the world if we found out for sure, without question, that there were Egyptian mummies and Egyptian civilizations living all the way over here in America? You know, think about that. What would that mean? You know, it, it challenges everything. It flies right in the face of science, doesn't it? Like it, you would have to question everything, right? Like rethink everything. If Egyptian mummies are buried in American soil, what the hell are we talking about? You know, what is going on? And you know, before I end this podcast, I'll mention one more thing that makes me think, okay? Now I'm not sure. Okay, I'm just thinking, I'm not sure, but you know, over in Europe, in Italy, I believe they have these things called the catacombs. Okay. And we're taught that those are Christians that were hiding underground. Okay. Um, hiding from persecution and they were martyred and they were killed. Okay. And that might be the case. I don't know, but. When you look at the photographs of those catacombs, okay, they're like tunnels that are literally, literally filled with human bones. Okay, I mean, so many human skeletons that you can't count that high. You know, that's how many are down there, right? Well, one, why are they down there? Okay, that's the first question. Oh, they were hiding down there? Okay, well, didn't work out too well because they all died. Okay. Um, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if the catacombs in Italy, you know, are actually the remains of people that died in that cat, that same cataclysm, you know, where they were down there in there, or maybe, or maybe at the time of that cataclysm, what we now know as the catacombs, 
like down under the ground, maybe at that time, they were above the ground. And the reason that they're underground is because they got buried. Think about that. If that's true and if that's possible, there could be whole civilizations of people still living underground. Think about that. I mean, if city after city was buried, okay, under, you know, 40 feet of mud or 20 feet of mud, well, what if the buildings survived? And what if the people who knew where the buildings were, the ones who made it through the cataclysm, what if they started to dig and they found that place again? And hey, look, there's still rooms here and it's still a usable space. It's still the temple that we used to be in, or it's still the place that we used to live. It's just buried under 20 feet or 40 feet of dirt now because of this cataclysm, right? Think about that. I mean, it's just fascinating to think about. And, you know, every year, it seems they find something, you know, archaeologists were digging and they found a thing, you know, they found something way down under the ground. Like, what the hell is it doing way down there? You know, well, maybe at one time it was on the surface. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about that. Yeah, it might be too, it might be too far out there for you. Okay, maybe. To me, it's not, you know, to me, I don't know. I can kind of look at it and think, you know, that kind of makes sense. Maybe. Don't you think? I don't know. So happy innovators. I'm going to let you go here because I want to get on to some other things today, but I'm keeping to my word about making this podcast. But, you know, I really need from you guys something. Got to give me something if you're listening Every one of you that's listening to this right now, if you listen and you do like it and you're interested and it's entertaining to you, then just click that little thumbs up thing, you know, that you like it. That's all. You don't even have to say anything. But if you're generous enough, you know, maybe you'll comment, right? So anyway, there's my blathering for today, my happy innovators. And uh, remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. Okay, happy innovators. I've got some music for you at the end of the podcast, as usual. Uh, I'm going to share with you three different songs today. The first one I'm going to share with you is a version of the song Sedusa, like a techno version of it that I did a long, long time ago. I had forgotten all about it, but I did work hard on it and it sounds okay. So I'm going to share that with you. I'm also going to share with you a song that you've probably never heard before. It's a song I wrote a long time ago, like back in 1992. It's a song called Rivers Full of Joy. And uh, just for one reason or another, never did anything with it. I just have it. I've had it for a long time. So I'm going to share that with you. And then I'm also going to share with you a song called Alms, A-L-M-S. Um, 
It's a song I've done many different versions of. It's probably a song that you're not familiar with. Um, it is a song that I'm redoing for the new Pipe Choir album um, that's coming out very soon. And uh, it's another like techno version of this song. I have so many different versions. I have a heavy metal version. I have a acoustic guitar version. I have this techno version you're about to hear. So without further ado, here we go. Enjoy the music. Sedusa, the techno version, a song called Rivers Full of Joy that you've never heard before, and Alms, a song that you've probably never heard before. Check it out.
Okay, I'm going to do a little section here for a longtime listener and dedicated fan to Pipe Choir and Pipe Choir Records. He goes by the name of Lennox, and uh, I asked him to do me a favor 
uh, on a video idea that I had and he said yes. So this is my uh, thank you to him. Um, Lennox, you had asked me a question about the antennas, you know, and uh, if I was going to do a description of the Mira One album, you know, to give you an explanation for this antenna idea. Okay. So really quick, I'm just going to mention it here for you and I'll do a longer, you know, explanation for it. I'm sure when I do the Mira One album description, but for right now, um, I can just say to you this, that for one reason or another, okay, as an artist, me, you know, um, I don't know why, but for some reason, I've always had an affinity for antennas. I think that they're cool. I don't know why, but I do. And I've sung about them. I have a song called Antenna. I have a couple of songs called Antenna, actually. They're both very different. Um, and, and you might hear one of those in the future. Um, but um, I've always had this like idea, I guess, in my mind that like spiritually, when we pray to God or, you know, that, that kind of thing, that we're communicating much like an antenna, you know, like sometimes we can pray without saying any words. You just think things, you have thoughts and you think them and they transmit out into the cosmos and God hears you, you know, that kind of idea. Like we are, we are like antennas to God. Okay. That's one interpretation of it. Um, also, I think more with Mira One, the idea is to be uh, going along with this theme of telecommunication, you know, transmissions of data, and, uh, you know, especially like in the arena of warfare, you know, signals and, uh, you know, secrets, codes, and signs, and things that are transmitted over radio waves. Um, you know, to soldiers on the field and that kind of stuff. Um, that's really what I'm going after, kind of like with Mirror One, that idea, exploring the idea of radio communication, okay, transmissions. Got it? But also, too, at the same time, I'm referring to this idea of Antiquatech and these old buildings like Notre Dame Cathedral you know, possibly being these antennas that were extracting energy out of the ether, like out of the atmosphere. I think that kind of thing is so cool and so fascinating. Like this idea that an old cathedral may have been at one time in history used as an energy source, a place where energy is drawn from. Okay. And that's a long convoluted story and explanation, but as I've explained in my Antiquatech podcast, and as I explained in the uh, thought experiment number six episode of the Singularity podcast, um, those two podcasts kind of talk about this idea, and uh, it's something that I'm just really interested in. Okay, so um, when you're listening to Mirror One, especially that little snippet I gave you, the beginning of the album, the opening of it. You know, you're hearing radio waves. You're hearing this communication that's not quite clear. You know, that's what I'm going for. So there you go, Lennox. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your questions. But most of all, thank you for being a loyal listener 
and, uh, you know, given me a reason to do some of this stuff. You know, thank you for that. Your support means everything to me. I get a thrill out of it. You know, I, I'm happy that you're interested. So thank you. All right. I'll see you next time. Peace out.